views expressed on the following program of those of its hosts and participants in no way reflect those of the staff or management of WNRI. Authors Hour. Get the story behind the story. It's all on the Authors Hour. You'll get to hear the authors talking about their books and the journey behind how it all began. Join the opportunity to hear the insights on what inspired them to write it. Now, here is your host, Wayne G. Barber. Good morning, America. It is 9.05 Tuesday morning, and it's another edition of the Authors Hour on Smokin' 99.9 FM, WNRI. And thank you very, very much for all of our many thousands of listeners on TuneIn Radio. I stumbled across another one the other day from Streamer, Streamer.com and Simple.com. I think it comes out to like 14 different ways you can listen to the fine programming right here from WNRI. Uh, we broadcast out of East Woonsocket on Diamond Hill Road uh, since 1954. And we are the voice of the Blackstone Valley, clearly, uh, Ward winner nine consecutive years. Also, the Association of Rhode Island Authors is a prime sponsor of the show. And we have Aurier Academy uh, survey forms going out. And also our memberships right now are over 300 members. And a reminder to uh, pay your dues this time of the year. And the new address is the Association of Rhode Island Authors, P.O. Box 0334, North Kingstown, Rhode Island, 02852. And that'll go hand-in-hand with our new treasurer. He's done a fantastic job, our guy Natalie. Uh, Also, as a PSA, we got uh, one of our prime sponsors in the summer who shuts down for the winter because it's San Diego Sundays. And I'm proud to announce I had a meeting with her the other day and got some correspondence. They will be reopening in Blackstone on 200 Bay Street right around the first week of April. We'll see how the weather goes this week. But also, as a sideline to that, we're also going to open probably with a brand new baby. She's due anytime now. And also, uh, I'm going to be a great grandfather again any day now. Uh, Jesse and Cody Spank up in Milo, Maine. And they've already did the revealing item and all that. And it's going to be a boy. And, well, that's not 100%, I guess. I have heard of uh, uh, surprises in the past. But they've also picked a name. And my next great-grandson will be named, I believe, Wyatt. I love the name. So we're going to have a couple more new births uh, to celebrate on the Authors Hour and other other fine programming. Also, last night... uh, had a fantastic Zoom meeting uh, with the uh, Keene, New Hampshire Library Department. 160 people tuned in. And uh, today is National Panda Day. And, uh, and so much more. We have an author lined up today. And uh, we tried to coordinate this a couple of times. And I finally got the material in the book. The leader you don't want to be. Management skills and very, very good reading by author Mary T. O'Sullivan. But first, we're going to talk about the Authors Association of Rhode Island. Association of Rhode Island Authors. Anyone can join the Association of Rhode Island Association of Authors. But you'll find that a published author and an aspiring author with a complete manuscript will benefit most 
from our membership. In addition, your membership fee helps support all Rhode Island's most talented writers. Benefits of being an ARA membership include networking with dozens of local published authors at our monthly meetings that are always held on the second Thursday of the month. Presentations from industry pros on a wide array of published topics, exclusive invitations to speak and conduct your presentations at libraries and other venues. Advance notice of any expos, festivals, and any other event where books are sold. A reduced table fee at the Rhode Island Authors Expo, a website link in IRA's members directory, and so much more. Check us out at www.riauthors.org. I did. And also, our lively literati is still on hold. We're going to be waiting for the governor to open that up. And uh, the location on that is the East Greenwich Hotel on Main Street in East Greenwich. And uh, hopefully we'll get going that this summer. AuthorsHourBookstore.com. New and slightly read books. If you heard our author interview on our Authors Hour every Tuesday at 9 a.m., we will stock it. Call Wayne, WNRI at Yahoo.com for any locator service or a closeout book. Again, it's the new AuthorsHourBookstore.com. If you or someone you know is celebrating a birthday and you want Wayne to announce it on his program, just send him an email. His address is WayneWNRI at Yahoo.com. Help make that special someone feel like celebrating with a birthday shout-out on WNRI. Thank you, Johnny. And we got happy birthdays today on the 16th of March. Vinny Esposito, a big happy birthday from your entire family. John Rafano turns 48 today. SK Modified owner up at, SK, at uh, Stafford Speedway. Uh, Debbie Bibber Blood. How Blood's wife just come back from surgery, having uh, the disc operation in her neck. Uh, already in rehab and uh, out there doing cross-country skiing, turns 61 today, along with Ralph Hansen. On Wednesday, 317, we got birthday wishes going out to Laurie Jean Pompey Coates. Uh, four names on that one from Legend Center, Connecticut, from her family on that. On the line right now, we have our very first author of the day, Mary T. O'Sullivan. And Mary has over 30 years' experience in the aerospace and defense industry. In each of her roles, she acts as a change agent, moving teams and individuals from status quo to new ways of thinking by offering solutions focused on changing behaviors and fostering growth. Today, Mary dedicates herself to helping good leaders get even better through positive behavior change. Good morning, Mary. How are you? Good morning, Wayne. I'm wonderful. Thank you for having me today. Thank you for writing the book. <laughs> yes. Well, that was a lot of fun putting it down on paper. Mary, how long has the book been on the market? I just launched it in February so it's been on the market about one month and I have to tell you that sales have been much better than I anticipated and I'm very excited about that you're already getting traction on it yes I am I Fantastic. think the title is the title's what 
is kind of inspiring people to write to uh, buy it rather. Yeah, that is fantastic. Getting that out is that your first book? It's actually my second book. Um, I took the first book off the market because it was um, it was not put together as a story. Uh, this book, um, I got some help from some editors, and it's it's. Uh, hangs much better together as a story about leadership. Very good. Okay, now are you the first author in your family? I am. Wow. You think it inspired anybody else in your family to come out with a book? I don't know. I don't, I'm not sure really. I think maybe one of my sisters, she's uh, a, a legal uh, kind of an estate type person out in LA and I'm sure she has a lot of stories to tell but now I'm not the I am I am excuse me the first to write a book I do have a son who's a writer in Hollywood however he hasn't written books but he's written a lot of uh, scripts for comedy shows well this particular uh, form of book type of book the genre of this here goes hand in hand with public speaking uh, business management groups have you been hampered on that tremendously with the uh, virus making everything go virtual? Yes. Are you able to do a PowerPoint on a virtual presentation? I can do PowerPoints on virtual, and I have done them. Uh, I just feel that there's, there's a big person-to-person um, -person interaction that's missing on the virtual side. Uh, but I do have a couple of marketing people that are helping me prepare the material, the uh, marketing and promotion material for digital. But, yeah, it's been a little tough trying to get out there and get speaking engagements and also to run my webinars and get in front of people in this environment. Things are picking up a little bit. I am getting some inquiries from some major um, companies to uh, come in and talk about my book and focus on some of the leadership um, uh, some of the leadership traits that uh, they are lacking in their company so so it's kind of moving in the right direction right now but it's not that fast how big of your uh, work schedule in a 40-hour week or 50-hour week if you can measure it that way are you involved with doing personal coaching to management I do a lot of personal coaching. I'd say now coaching is kind of like teaching school. It's it's a it's very hard work because you're uh, putting your emotion and your uh, your voice and all your mental capacity into doing the best job you can for your client. So I have about ten hours a week of coaching and. Honestly, after 30 years in industry, that's about all that I want at this point. So, yeah, it's working out fine. I do a lot of writing. I spend probably two to three hours a week writing new material on leadership development and mindset issues and um, relaxation, rest, uh, how to how to be a human being in the workplace. <laughs> so I have a whole chapter about that in my book. I thought that was very interesting when I ran uh, that uh, chapter through and uh, yep. related to it so much of my life, my own life experience uh, being an entrepreneur in management positions. Yes. And uh, I, I got a question here. 
you know, athletes go through this. Marriage counselors go through this. Do a big company, an ITT, a General Motors, when they have a management person or with a union involved that's got protection, mm-hmm. and somebody starts going through personal crises and their attitude changes as management, but the owners or the stockholders say, wait a minute, this guy's been, or this girl, they've been with us forever. Mm-hmm. All they need is a touch of reality and maybe new styles. Is that part of your makeup? Yes, uh, that's very much part of what I do. And it's interesting that you said uh, when people go through personal crises, because often that is the root of the problem on the job. I like to tell people that life is a continuum. It's not work-life balance. There is no such thing, because who you are at home is who you're going to be at work. So if you have a something stressing you at home, like a, an illness in the family or some kind of a you know major car crash or a sickness or a surgery or something like that, that is going to impact your work life, no matter how much you try to hide it. You have to work through that with some support. And um, most of the time, the upper management does not want to fund that effort. So I've found that people are willing to reach into their own pocket to pay for coaching services when the stress is way too much for them to handle on their own. I often get people in my practice that are completely on the edge. They are, uh, they've either gotten fired, laid off, furloughed, or quit. Now, I do not recommend waiting that long. When you begin to see the signs, the handwriting on the wall, as I like to say, that things are going awry in your workplace, that is the time to to look for some support and to get support. It's not time when the entire effort crashes and burns because it's very difficult to pick up the pieces after some major event happens and your job is in in jeopardy. So people never want to put their livelihood at risk when they have a personal crisis. They need to get some support on working their way through it. And that is really a a good sign of maturity and leadership when people can recognize their shortcomings. One of the biggest problems in leadership today in these major corporations, as you measure, as you mentioned rather, is that they do not understand that people have personal lives. They don't, they don't empathize with people well enough because they are so removed and they may only talk to a very small circle of people and they're getting filtered information. So if your management team isn't going to support you, you need to get that support on your own. Sometimes the company will pay for it and sometimes they won't. So I have worked with big companies that do pay for people because they're, uh, they've invested so much in the employee that to lose that employee of 20 years who's brought 
happens to the company is just unthinkable. But the person's behavior, because of some stressor in their lives, is so unacceptable that the person is in danger of losing his or her job. So I urge people to come and seek some support before they crash and burn. I have a client right now who's on furlough, and he is very devoted to his company. The problem is that he has missed paychecks and they finally did furlough him and I think his wife is pushing him in a direction to pick up the pieces and move on but he internally feels so much loyalty to these people that he's afraid to take steps away from the company so his wife encouraged him to find me and they are on self-pay right now because his company has no money so You know, those are the kinds of things that happen. Um, And truthfully, it doesn't matter whether it's a big company like GM or ITT or any of these, IBM or any of these big companies. If the management team in any size company feels some empathy and has some perspective on employees, they will support them through a crisis. So if you're going through something personally, it's best to delicately bring it to the attention of your leadership team and ask for some support. And I always say there's no shame in asking for help. Uh, My true life experiences on this, I can relate to you. Uh, I was an industrial caterer, what they call in the trade a coffee man. And it was just before cafeterias and vending machines actually started. Mm-hmm. This is how all the large corporations had their coffee breaks. I used to go inside mills, all kinds of uh, construction jobs, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But I was smart enough to see the evolution of what was happening with automation, with vending machines, cafeterias, so on and so forth. But yet I had a lot of my employees resist it. They tried mm-hmm. to stay with the old school. And that was the time that I learned a long, long time ago. You build a company up as it's going one way up to a peak. And then when you see changes in the business that most of your key employees are going to resist, I would sell the business at its peak and Mm -hmm. then change gears and go into another business. I experienced the same thing in the automobile parts business. We were a family-owned auto parts business, service center, used car lot, and stuff like that uh, from the old school, Mm -hmm. you know, from Ford and GM, where they had the parts departments and the service departments, and then there was a parts store or two or three in your town, and then all of a sudden, lo and behold, uh, the middle part of the 70s and the early 80s, everything computerized. Yeah. So right. we, we went through that n- other change in that whole industry mm-hmm. where you had no choice. You had to update to the computer. In your particular coaching field and stuff like that, you would have excelled in all of that. So I, yes. I was sent to school to do the computers. I took the, the best way to do it. I, I might as well get the training to do it, and mm-hmm. then I'll install the computers. So that's how I went on the route. So right. I actually got promoted on it, 
and made more money by recognizing the change instead of resisting, which exactly. I think you're probably you're an expert on. Yes, but, I've, I've got a few clients that have had that exact same problem. I had a um, very successful small transportation company, and uh, the owner or the principal partner wanted to start to explore um, self-driving vehicles because he felt that that was the wave of the future, and it would be a matter of years before the self-driving vehicles, buses included, uh, would take over that business, and he wanted to get in front of that, but his partners resisted and resisted and dug in and dug in and dug in. And so after several months of coaching him, I asked him, what's more important to you moving forward with where you believe the industry is going or maintaining your relationships with these people because he had known them for years and they were close. They loyalty. were close friends. Exactly, loyalty. And as it turned out, after all of that time, probably three or four months of coaching, he decided that it was more important to stay loyal to those other partners than to either buy them out or let them buy him out, or start his own company, or whatever other options he had, he felt that relationship was more important. So I, I have no idea where they are today because they serviced the, um, the, con the conference and convention industry. So they would arrange transportation. So let's say it's like the mass conference for women where you have 10,000 people uh, getting to that conference. So you might have a speaker like Hillary Clinton, which we did one year. So she's got to get from the, either the airport or a hotel to the venue. So how do you do that? And they were the ones that arranged all that VIP transportation all over the the country throughout the United States. So that was a that was a very lucrative business, but without recognizing some kind of of change, he knew that they weren't going to be able to maintain their success. Right, they would have got lost in the shuffle. They really would. The best piece of advice that I have that I will preach until the day I die. Uh, Many, many companies I've added up and started and resell right at the peak. That's been the secret to my success in my life's journey. You know, we're at the tail end of it now, but a long, long time ago when the computers first started and I took the plunge, got the training, started installing computers and took on more management responsibilities nationally and New England-wise, the owner of that company had the vision to give me one sentence that he typed and he put right on the top of my computer screen. Mm -hmm. Wayne, you're only as good as the people you surround yourself with. Exactly. And I have used that philosophy on every business that I've ever built and sold to this day. It mm -hmm. is a golden rule of thumb. That's exactly true, and you see that 
throughout the country. You see that in politics. So you you select uh, a group of people that are going to continuously agree with you. You're not going to have that healthy challenge or that healthy um, discussion along the way to look at other options. So if you surround yourself with yes people, which happens all the time, not just in politics, but in business as well, that you're sort of in a circle of uh, resistance or a circle of not looking forward, you're looking inward. And that is not productive on any level for a business, that you can't survive long term like that. Some of the management skills that I developed in my career I would pass on to anybody, and it's a simple thing of courtesy of asking the worker how their family is, uh, you know, a new birth in the family, a death in the family. Mm-hmm. Make sure you go to the wake. Don't just send a card. Do the little personal things. And I'll give you another life experience that I had. We were talking about uh, the truck driver uh, going to self-driving and logistics. I headed up a home delivery division of FedEx Corporation in Rhode Island. And uh, logistics was something we had to learn. And what happens in that, prior to Amazon, uh, FedEx, UPS... And the Postal Service would have peak season, which Mm -hmm. runs right from about Thanksgiving right to about two weeks after Christmas, where you would have to pre-plan and start training drivers, uh, FCC rules, they get the special licenses and stuff like that. And we were all scrambling, trying to add on two or three drivers, rental trucks and all of this for the big crush to get through it and keep our service all this up. And it dawned on me, we had uh, a couple of applicants that would, did a fantastic interview, and they were members of the National Guard. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I was instructed, not in a written rule, but by corporate, don't you dare hire anybody that's not going to be able to work Saturday during mm-hmm. the peak season. And I says, no, that's discrimination. You can't. So, but it wasn't in writing. So what I did was I trained a couple of drivers that were in the National Guard, and I thanked them for their service. Mm-hmm. And it went through the whole warehouses and through New England. Bobber has broken the rules. He's defying them. And he hired and trained National Guard commitment people to this job. Ours was, uh, we had Mondays off, but we worked Tuesday through Saturday with the home delivery versus Mm -hmm. the corporate union people with Express. So it was, you were required Saturdays, and a lot of times, they could, if you could fudge the FCC amount of driving time, it's like that, you would sneak out on a Sunday. Since that time, a lot of things have changed in that business. But what happened was, it came back to me tenfold. And I says, don't worry about it. When I was confronted by this, and I says, I will cover for that driver on that one Saturday of the month. Mm. I'll cover for him. Do you realize how many people commended me 
and wanted to work for my company. Because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I had the fortitude to change and respect the human element right. of society. Yes. Just that, that one little thing. That is what is lacking in leadership today. And I think you, you probably picked that up throughout the book. Um, one of the things that I'd like to bring up at, you know, in my coaching business and also when I was working at corporate, I actually wrote a note to the president of the company where I was working and I said to him, you know, a lot of the things that you're trying to do here, I have two little books that would really help you and I'll send them to you if you want. And one book was How to Be a Gentleman. And the other book was How to Be a Lady. And those two small books were really meant for, like, teenagers. But they were teaching manners and courtesy and holding doors open and letting other people go ahead of you. And, you know, how to treat a guest or how to treat someone in a meeting. And it was basic human courtesy common courtesy and people forget that when they walk through the office door they won't certainly won't go the extra mile as you did they can't even extend a hello or good morning when they run into people now this i did have a client like that who part of his feedback that i received from the company was that he would he would be so stressed out when he got into the office because he was looking at his phone all night long that he would go storming through the the building first thing in the morning and wouldn't even look at people much less say good morning or hello and he didn't know how to he did not know how to change so what i talked to him about was was common courtesy yep you know how would you like to be treated uh, the other thing that I've noticed in a lot of companies and group meetings, chamber of commerce and stuff like that, you have your key leaders, okay? Mm-hmm. Then your secondary, your vice president, your treasurer and that, where they're blocked out. But yet, you know, when you really stop and thinking about it, you better start including them then because by two or three years down the road, they are going to be the leader. Right. And they've got to come out of that shell. Where do you cross that line to open up? Uh, say you have a alpha male as a management person. I had a real hard-nosed one that anytime you knocked on his door to ask him something, if he didn't like it, he never said a word. He just tapped his finger on the employment uh, applications he had on his desk. He used that as a weapon mm-hmm. without saying a word. And I, I, I hated it, and I would never go the extra mile for that right. particular person because I labeled him, boy, he must be a real bugger to live with if he's doing right. something like this at the workplace. Mm-hmm. But then you see the other places, the organizations where, where, what time does it come in your coaching for like a vice president or assistant chairman to mm-hmm. step forward and say, wait a minute. Give me some more responsibility. When do you make that decision? Are you talking about uh, an employee asking for more responsibility? Right. right. 
Well, that's a little difficult to answer because if your manager is not receptive, if he's not open, you know, you're not really going to be given any more responsibility. I don't like people to have to ask. What I try to encourage people to do is just do more. So if you want a responsibility, start doing it. Start doing it, and the word will get around that. You're doing it already. And that's how you get the recognition. There, there is, a, um, I think, a real misunderstanding among people that if they work really hard and do really well, they're going to get recognition. That is not the way it is anymore. So what you, the example you gave is pointing to those um, employment applications. That exists in some entire cultures in business. So if you go to complain to your manager about anything, you know, or ask for more responsibility or ask for a promotion or complain about certain working conditions, they're just going to tell you, well, you can go work somebody someplace else. See how well you do. And some companies pay so well, it's called the golden handcuffs. You can't get away. But for people that want to move up, they have to show initiative. They have to take those steps on their own to move forward and get that recognition. Now, if you feel like you're not going to get it at work, and you want to build up your resume for the next job, what I recommend to people is that they volunteer at an organization like a hospital fundraiser or a Special Olympics or something like that. Volunteer and become attached to the organization so that eventually you get put in a leadership position of, of some some uh, kind, hopefully the one that you want. I mean, there's a famous story of a CFO that got laid off, and he got involved in a major library um, enhancement or build-out. It was millions of dollars, and he became the CFO of that major million-dollar, multi-million-dollar project. And the person who was in charge of the entire program overseeing the entire project from soup to nuts and all the money noticed how well he was acting as a CFO and he eventually got hired by that person. So if you want to enhance your resume and move up and you're not getting that opportunity at work, I recommend that you jump into a volunteer organization and take a leadership role. And you're going to have to be prepared to make room for that in your schedule because if you're working hard at your job, you know, you're not going to have a lot of extra time, especially with family and, you know, parents and other responsibilities. You know, all of a sudden your hot water heater breaks and that throws everything off. But yet you need to make that kind of time to get some visibility that uses your skills in another way and that way is in my opinion it's through volunteering are the majority of your clients females that feel that being mistreated or uh, being blocked out 
of advancement in their companies? I do get some women, but most of my clients are men. And the reason for that is, and this is another whole long conversation, the reason for that is women don't uh, ask for help. They would rather not spend the money on themselves. They would, and I've heard stories of, I've got to send my kid to private kindergarten, which costs, you know, $10,000 a year. They always have an excuse, you know, the family car broke down. Um, Men don't do that. Men know they need help. They're just going to pick up the phone and make the call, and nine times out of ten, they become a client. Women are, and this is an this is endemic problem with women. They don't speak up from them for themselves, and they do not invest in themselves. I'd say the majority of women have that issue. Not every woman, but the majority of women. Now, I will tell you that I do get a lot of clients who are women of color because they they are afraid to take the steps necessary to move ahead. It's just some inherent um, fear that is within them. And so my job is to say to them, look, you speak two languages. You have a technical background. You were the software development chief at Citizens Bank for 18 years. Yep, you got laid off, but you will find another job. And every single one of them has done that. So mostly women of color are willing to step up and get support and get help and learn some of the ropes. But your average white woman in different areas of the country will not, at least here in this area, they won't take that step. So I don't get a lot of women clients for that reason. Sometimes I get some single women that are really out on the edge, on the, on the um, you know, feeling like the, their careers are going to crash and burn. But women with kids and families, very, very seldom do I get anyone like that. If you're just tuning in, you're just listening to W1RI on Smoker 99.9 FM, 1380 AM on a dial. And you're listening to the Author's Hour with today's feature author, Mary T. O'Sullivan. And the name of the book that we're discussing is The Leader You Don't Want to Be. Old school and new techniques in retraining for management people, coaching classes, and anything to do in the corporate world. Mary T. O'Sullivan has one hell of a track record. And uh, she can produce for your company, too. Or straighten out some very simple problems that you may be blinded that you don't see. But her vast experience will recognize that situation right off the bat. Mary, I want to thank you very much for coming on the Author's Hour and for writing this book. Thank you so much, Wayne. My particular case in the corporate world and at this time in my life, I related to a lot of the situations that were in the book as my own life experiences. And I think you've hit it right on the head as far as I'm concerned. Thank you. Thank you you. very much. You're very, very welcome. And... um, I hope we can get a chance to talk again soon, Wayne. Okay, thank you, Mary. You're welcome. Okay, bye-bye.
That concludes that part of the show with Mary T. O'Sullivan. Harvest Moon Health Foods, Route 21, Unit 4, Colonial Plaza in Putnam, Connecticut. 860-928-2352. Healthy foods for a healthy lifestyle, gluten-free products, over 100 dried herbs, nuts, and seeds. Healthy snacks help your body to reinforce its immune response. Hemopathic and herbal allergy relief. We stock quality brand manufacturers, including Against the Grain, Rudy's, Nature's Plus, Batlean's Organic Oils, Food for Life, and so much more. Natural honey and organic coconut sugar, raw milk. Elderberry for flu remedies. Consumer-friendly hours are Monday through Wednesday, 10 to 6 p.m., Thursday to Saturday, 10 a.m. to 5 p.m., and Sundays, 11 a.m. to 3 p.m. Harvest Moon Health Foods .net, Unit 4, Colonial Plaza, Putnam, Connecticut. 860-928-2352. Proud sponsor of Brian Tag and the number 9 in the late model at Thompson Speedway. And you'll see Brian over at Thompson Speedway for the icebreaker. I uh, believe it's April 9th and 10th for the weekend on that. And today's transportation and limousine services provided by CJ Trans of Fairbanks and Little General Stores. There's one in your neighborhood with some fantastic sales and uh, very appropriate for this week. And Chef Gary McLaughlin and Jeff will be talking about it Wednesday morning on Recipe for a Good Day. How about Point Cut? Corn beef brisket at four eighty nine a pound, cooked ham at two ninety nine a pound, and some nice German Swiss cheese. Mm-mm-mm. My wife loves cheese. Five ninety nine a pound at Little General Stores. Our local taxpayers, and right here, there's one in your neighborhood. Now I got to talk to uh, Mary T. O'Sullivan about getting her book over at Book Lovers Gourmet. Your local independent bookstore owned and operated by Debbie Horian since 1995. That brand new location is the best thing that ever happened. Uh, all those years in business and now they finally got more room at 72 East Main Street, Webster. Book lovers gourmet, flavored coffee, teas, homemade pastries by Phyllis Bakery, chocolates, bath salts, soaps, candles, essential oils, and of course, Books, books, and more books. Use slightly red and brand new first edition and special orders are welcome. By calling 508-949-6232 at Book Lovers Gourmet. And today is Tuesday. Tomorrow's Wednesday, Prince Spaghetti Day, but today's Tuesday. So you know what that is. The best deal on pizza and boy, do people in New England love pizza. Cereals, Pizza Rama, and Restaurant. At the Bridgeton Triangle, wait a minute, GPS and Garmin and Alexa are not going to know where the Bridgeton Triangle is. So we have to say 405 Church Street. And if you want it delivered right to your door, hockey game on, or races on the TV, uh, you're into Netflix and you're binging, 401-568-7187. And they'll get your order piping hot right to your door. Tuesday, cheese pizza. Large cheese pizza, not the little one. 15 full slices. Rectangle shape, only $6. Every Tuesday at Cereal's Pizzerama and Restaurant. 
over 52 years in business. A dining room now is extended. Uh, Dan McKee gave him a call and said, you can add on more hours now, Jimmy, up to 66% uh, capacity on seating. And Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, 11 to 8, and Saturday and Sunday with the best breakfast in Northern Rhode Island, starting at 8 o'clock in the morning. Sunday dinner for two, always $19.99. Your choice of six to ten entrees, including soda and coffee, including decaf. And then tap on that shoulder after you give him an extra fin. The server doing that great job for $19.99. You also have a homemade dessert coming, too. Bring that home. Get on Masterpiece Theater. See Atlantic Crossing. That's coming up April 4th. And so many other good things to view. Having your homemade dessert in a hot cup of Maxwell House coffee. Uh, from Cereals, Pizza Reba, and Restaurant. 401-568-7187. You will be glad you did. That was a fantastic book today. Mary T. O'Sullivan, the leader you don't want to be. You know, stupid, stupid, simple mistakes you make in management. You lose a good employee. Just open your eyes to what's available out there in training. AuthorsHourBookstore.com. New and slightly read books. If you heard our author interview on our Authors Hour every Tuesday at 9 a.m., we will stock it. Call Wayne, WNRI at Yahoo.com for any locator service or a closeout book. Again, it's the new Authors Hour Bookstore.com. I got some good news, too, for the Association of Rhode Island Author members. I've got a book signing opportunity for you. I got all the paperwork yesterday. The Boroughville Arts Festival, September 18th and 19th, right now is a go in the sept- applications. So uh, contact me at WayneWNRI at Yahoo.com, and we can uh, fill up those tables on that with proper spacing and everything else. Uh, two different emails, one from Worcester, Mass., and the other from Rockton, Massachusetts, on uh, what service do you use to check the value of some books? Okay, Adol is a very good source. Book Finder, Alibris, Abe Books, and Viabril, V-I-A-L-I-B-R-I. Very, very good sources on that. Or 1898 to date, There is a fee. And uh, I'm not sure on the emails if they have large collections or whether they're buyers and, you know, doing it as a part-time business and stuff like that. But uh, those are some of the sources. And there's many, many. Alibris is another one, too, that I use on occasion. You know what else I use on occasion? Uh, fishing season now is starting on the trout season. Connecticut didn't have an opening day. It's just all systems are open to try to keep the uh, crowds uh, spread out more. And it's worked two years in a row in that state. But every time we have an event, uh, St. Patty's Day, the parades and stuff like that, you'll always find somebody locking their keys in the car. Now, who are they going to call? An ex-wife and be reminded that three months behind on their alimony? They're going to call ghost buses? Nope. I gave you enough time. Get that paper and pencil. Larry's 24-hour towing, lockout service, 
jump start service. Maybe the dome light was on. All you need is a jump start to get you going. Slide off on that black ice. Winter's not open yet. Larry's 24-hour towing. Now, if you got your stimulus checks, all those millions of dollars that we're all going to get, and Nellie Bell's tired, 300000 you want to retire it. They also have used auto and truck sales under the same location at Boroughville Motor Sales. 401-568-6286. You can also schedule Rhode Island State Inspection by calling that same number. Peter, Jerry, John, Brian, and all the ASC certified mechanics are right there Monday through Friday. And then the Larry's 24-hour towing. Seven different records that they have, whether it's a flatbed or on the hook, or maybe a motorcycle or an ATV that you bought, and you want to get it home, give them the address, and it'll save you uh, moving an unregistered vehicle. Also, expert bodywork and insurance estimates, uh, they work with all companies, Bartleville Motor Sales and Larry's 24-Hour Towing. Under one roof, all those great employees, 401-568-6286. Green Dragon Comics is not open today, but boy, I was over there on the weekend, and they had some stock in there. And you know what's got really open? They're back from New Smyrna, Florida, and that's Northeast Race Cars and Speed. Uh, pick up a ship daily by 11 o'clock right out of Six Hill Road in Harrisville. And they share the same building. Um, Hopkins Brothers Auto Repair, the same location. And what an expansion to the building and the local taxpayers in uh, building up the payroll there. 401 9992 open 8 to 5. Race car parts, supplier, and custom fabrication, chassis setup. Uh, they can square up a chassis for you to start the season, or they can build you a race car. Simpson, MSD Ignition, Willwood, Moroso, so much more. Race car parts and service from a career-long racer. Mr. Shane Hopkins, Herbie, Vazinas, you name it, boy, what a job they do over there. And also, all kinds of specials going on on their Facebook page. And you'll see them at Thompson, Monadnack Speedway, Seacock Speedway, and uh, so much more. <clears throat> Excuse me. Wanted to talk a little bit, too, on the fastest segment and um, of our business with John and we're talking about poetry. It's going right through the roof. It started with uh, uh, Biden's inauguration with that fantastic poetry reading. Uh, the girl got a three-book deal. And then America's Got Talent was won by Brandon Leake, a million-dollar deal. And everywhere I'm looking now, uh, the recitals, the book signings are coming back. They're coming back slow now with the virus clearing up. I'm getting my second shot this afternoon at 1 o'clock. Um, during a, there's the one I've been using up in Connecticut. So me and Susan will have our second shot. And thank God on that. And we'll see how it goes from there, whether in the future you get a third one or whatever. We were going to talk about that the second half of the show today with Dr. Michael Fine. But we have to schedule him for another day. But I've got one here. Gold in Autumn by a Massachusetts author, Karen Warinsky. I cannot get this book out of my head. And uh, I've got just a little piece of poetry I'd like to read on this on page 55. Pulling rank. Out of the sun but into the light, sunblock in my left eye. I was so clever to wait for everyone to go, 
so as to be left alone, all alone. To write, writing often preferable to some stilted conversation where I bear the burden of rank as mother to make everyone feel good about themselves, feel that things will be all right. Hell, I'm pretending half the time myself, but I've gotten really good at it. Sometimes if you pretend enough, the tale becomes true. Happens all the time to criminals and salesmen. Pulling rank. Boy, she knows how to write poems. Karen Warinsky. You can get that book and so much more right at Book Lovers Gourmet. Gold in the Autumn. And the picture on the front is right from The Common on Thompson, Connecticut. I recognize the tree right off the bat. And when I interviewed her, you know, I confirmed that she told me Wayne is right in your backyard. What a book that is. And today we had a good one, too. The leader you don't want to be on management skills and stuff like that. Or if you're moving up the corporate ladder and you want to brush on up your skills, there's some great chapters on that. Uh, let me see here. What do I think about Dr. Seuss' six book? Uh, six books that have been banned. And Jeff is asking me that question. And also, Hot Rod is asking me the same question. Okay, I got a couple of minutes here. I'm going to get it off my chest. I think it's a bunch of crap. Dr. Seuss has been around forever. He's passed away. His wife has passed away. It's a separate corporation like uh, Elvis Presley and Michael Jackson. They set it all up with copyrights for royalties. And now everything gets politically correct. Uh, Jeff, the other day, filling in for John, read Mulberry Street. And I'm telling you, I did not find anything offensive to me in that book. Maybe I'm missing something. Maybe I didn't see the graphic pictures in it. Maybe that's what they're talking about. But scrambled eggs, you know, I just don't get it. And then you get the Grammys the other night, which I religiously like to watch every year. Because I love all types of music. And they had 83 different awards, and it gives me a chance to get caught up on different genres of music that I don't listen to on a regular basis. I, I like country music and stuff like that, or pop music. But the way they portrayed some of those songs on that show the other night, and the way they dressed, my wife jumped up and she says, that's it, I'm not, that, I'm not supporting this show anymore. We're not watching the Grammys anymore. How can that show step over all those bounds and yet we ban and burn. What is it, Germany? Is it Russia? Is it China? Are we going to have a bonfire now and burn all Dr. Seuss books? I don't get it. I, I, I can't see how a certain population, a small population in this country is dictating so many things. That's my story and I'm sticking to it. And uh, let me see, next week we've got I think we're going to have Debbie Tillinghast, a retired teacher from Gloucester. She just came out with a beautiful book, and uh, we're trying to coordinate it. Uh, right now, we have 41 books at the home office in uh, Thompson, Connecticut, to read first and then schedule the uh, uh, authors on the air to talk about their work and on the journey getting there. If you have any questions on publishing, uh, I do you know other work on the side and stuff like that, editing, 
illustrators. I have a bevy of those. We have a lot of them in our group. Good quality people. And each one is uh, better in certain fields. We got some great children illustrators. We got you name it because we have over 300 members in our group. But uh, Wayne, W-N-R-I, Yahoo.com. Or if you're looking for a certain book, I have over a thousand books in my library. And uh, I've got to make some room. Whether it's Civil War, history, uh, romance books, children's books. I've got them all the way back to 1910, 1918 before the copyrights. Uh, copyright. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I got an uh, email on copyright. 1925 and older, the copyrights have dissipated. Okay? That's what the ruling is now. Okay? On older books, older poems, stuff like that. Uh, movies, records, a lot of that stuff. 1925 and back. Okay? That's the rule of thumb on that. And uh, I want to thank everybody for tuning in to another edition of the uh, Author's Hour. We'll be back on the air Sunday morning at 9 o'clock with the outdoor scene. Thank you very much to our author, too, Mary T. O'Sullivan, the leader you don't want to be, and uh, Golden Autumn by Karen Wawrinski, a Massachusetts poet. Thank you to our fine sponsors, guests, and emailers at WayneWNRIYahoo.com and for tuning in to the Author's Hour. Remember to shop locally and to read a book. And tomorrow, please have the best day of your life. Your host, Wayne G. Barber.